0: Today's title, Getting Caught. I'm doing a little bit of a deviation from our series. If you have been here for a few weeks. I've been talking about covenant. And uh, I was going to talk about the covenant, the new covenant. But I'm not going to do that today because of this. I just feel like, you know, when you get inundated in the news, and uh, that is on everybody's mind, that I need to address that. And so as your pastor, that's what I'm going to do this morning. Uh, with all of the sexual harassment that has been in the news, I just felt like, you know what, God has the answer. Amen? God has the answer, you know, and, uh, and let's face it, sexual harassment's been around for thousands of years, even though it's getting publicity. It's, but what's made it come to the forefront is well-known people. Uh, being exposed in this area and so um, I, I frankly believe that it's this is just my opinion that it's being brought to the forefront so God can let the world know that men or women are created exactly the way that he created them to be equal and so um this may be a little bit different message for you but if it is that's okay uh it's it's God's word. So 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verse 34 uh this is Paul you know Paul has gotten in religious circles he's he's gotten a bad rap in that you know he's anti-woman and he's he doesn't uh really stand behind women that which is false. But um We'll just see here. So this is Paul. This is what he says. Verse 34. Let your women keep silent in the churches. Ouch. (laughs) For they are not even permitted to speak, but they are to be submissive. You heard that term? You're a woman. Submit. As the law also said, verse 35. And if they want to learn something, let them ask their own husbands at home. For it is shameful. It is downright shameful for women to speak in church. Well, I'm obviously in trouble because I had my wife preach last Wednesday and she's preached on Sunday and she does a lot of speaking here. So, I'm just real shameful that that's... (laughs) I was raised um, in church where women were supposed to submit And you, men are up here and women, they're not just down here, they're someplace. We just know they're way down there. And that's the way I was raised. And unfortunately, this attitude has been brought into the church around the world. Women aren't allowed to speak. Women aren't allowed to be in any kind of leadership capacity in the church of God. And um, it's unfortunate. If you stop and think about it. The church has taken 50% of the people that come into the kingdom of God, 50% of them are, are, can't be used. You know, even if you just take your spiritual hat off for I men, that's really not good common sense. Just common sense. But um, we're going to find out here. You know, what is Paul saying in Pastor Mike? Not to let women speak, to be submissive. If you study the anytime this, let me just say this. If I say something that really grow, goes crosswise with what you've been taught, with what you believe, then you need to study it out. I'm not asking anybody what's preached behind, whether it's me or anybody else that's preaching something here, you just swallow it. I've swallowed a lot of stuff growing up and believe that whatever was said behind here, you know, was true. You know kind of like what you hear the news when you hear it you think it's true and later you find out that it's not true just because they report it and uh, so you need to be you know we don't want to do like what we do to our dogs at home that they don't take medicine so we put it inside a piece of cheese something they love and they swallow it and they have no idea what they swallowed (laughs) do you know the church has done that not on purpose But the church around the world has taught things that were not from God. Including this scripture right here. Is it true that this is written by Paul? Yes, it is. But I want to, and let me give you a a perspective that I have taught. And that is, you know, back in the day, women, which is true back in the day of Paul's time, women were not educated. They weren't permitted to be uh in the temple serve in the temple and to be have any kind of high position but it wasn't because they were against well yes it was but a lot of it is because they just didn't permit them to be taught so and I've even said you know that men were on one side women on the other side and so if they didn't understand something they would just yell it out to their husband it was causing confusion I believe that could be part of it, but I believe I came across something that I've never known before. In the Greek, uh, which is, this is what it was written in the Greek, that there are no quotation marks in Greek. But one theologian said this, even though there's not a quotation uh, marks in the Greek, that they did mark, they just would put a little mark where the quote started, and they would put a little mark at the end, and he says in the original translation, that was done. Why is that important? Well, first of all, 1 Corinthians was a response to a letter that the Corinthian people wrote to Paul, and then 1 Corinthians is a response to that. And it says that in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. Now concerning the things of which you wrote to me. Did you get that? Concerning the things which you wrote to me. So they wrote a bunch of things, and he was responding, answering, commenting on things that were wrote to him. Does everybody see that? I say, concerning some things which you wrote to me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. So obviously, they're talking about, through the book of Corinthians, About women and quite a bit. And so in 1 Corinthians 14.34. There was a mark right before. Let your women keep silent in the churches. For they are not permitted to speak. And at the end of verse 35. For it is shameful for women to speak in church. There was another mark. So what Paul was saying. This is a quote of what you have said to me. This was from the Corinthian people. I tend to believe this ver- because uh, verse 36 of how he goes into what after the quote. Verse 36, he says, Do you think God's word originated with you, Corinthians? Are you the only ones to whom it was given? I don't know if you can really see the... Uh, the ticked-offness that Paul has going on here, but he was, as I say, in my Kentucky language, he was slapping them upside the head. (laughs) Verse 37, If you claim, claim, if you claim to be a prophet or think you are spiritual, you should recognize that what I am saying is a command from the Lord himself. Doesn't that make a lot more sense? Paul is not... Saying that he's quoting them, you have said that it's shameful for a woman to speak in church. You have said that women need to shut up. You have said that women you should be submitting. And he turns around and says, basically, what we would say is this: Who who died and made you the leader? You think you're God or something? You think you're so spiritual or something? You don't know squat. You don't know anything. That's what Paul was saying. So um, I, I just truly believe that you can sense that Paul is rebuking them after this quote. And let's just get real, you know, if Paul is saying that women should be kept silent, why, you can go to Romans chapter, actually in Corinthians as well, uh, before that, but you can go Romans chapter 16, it's loaded with women that he names, and says, you know, this one is a prophetess, and this one has this office, and, and this one's helping me with this, and this one's doing great work. So obviously, Paul is not saying, you know, women should just shut up and be submissive. Just act pretty. Just be there and just act pretty. Paul's not saying that. So if you see, if you read Romans chapter 16, then you read something like this, you go, well, Paul, what's going on? You just need to dig just a little bit deeper and find out. Is this making sense to you? Well, there were times, you know, that even Paul said, you know, you women, you make sure you have head coverings. And uh, you think, well, what, what's up with that? The women have to wear, well, you have to know. During the time of Paul, there was a, a cult and that the temple, they had temple prostitutes that would have braided hair, wear all kinds of jewelry and all kinds of makeup. And so if you saw a woman in Paul's time that had braided hair and all kinds of jewelry and makeup, you would go, prostitute. It was obvious, and she wanted you to know that she was a prostitute. There's a reason why women want you to know that you're they're a prostitute, so they can get customers. But this is the problem. So Paul didn't want. He didn't say that you shouldn't braid your hair because you're a woman. He just wanted to make sure that, you know, when you come to our temple, to our church services, put a head covering, you know, over yourself so that people won't think you are a prostitute. So that makes sense, doesn't it? It's like when we first went to Africa 20-something years ago, uh, it's since the culture has changed. But when we went back in those days that uh, uh, women always wore skirts, dresses, dresses, but if you saw a woman in shorts or pants, she was a prostitute. So, Dad, when he heard that, you know, if some woman wanted to come and do ministry and help out in their ministry, whatever, he, him, and Mom always say, uh, bring plenty of skirts and dresses. Do not bring shorts or pants. We, we, women don't wear that here and he didn't go in detail but if a woman heard that and we've read that a hundred years from now you'd say well women shouldn't wear shorts and pants no it's for the time what's going on in the culture do you understand that sometimes the Bible does do that it does do that Paul did that by saying hey, you ladies you, you you cover that head you make sure that head's covered well It's the same way with, uh, you know, back in Africa. You saw, how would it look for some woman who's going to teach in the Bible school, and the next day you saw her in a pair of slacks? You go, whoa, (laughs) we got a double image going on here. So you understand that. So that's where Paul was coming from in this, and it, you know, I mean, God's whole intention. And we're going to go into this a little bit deeper. But God's whole intention is to protect women, not to put them down. This whole sexual harassment thing, uh, I believe it's coming out because God wants to protect women. That you don't have, you need to be who you are and not be anything less to get any kind of promotion or to keep your job. I believe that with all my heart. And if you get fired because you're not doing what some man wants, you know you can rest assured God's going to take care of you. Even if it was a multi-million dollar job, God's going to take care of you. But as far as what what I believe that God's answer has an answer to this, and in, in three things. First of all, for for a man to or anybody to abuse anybody. First of all, I think the number one thing is that you need to make sure. Get, let's get them saved, let's get them born again they need to be born again alright, they need to be believers in Jesus I'm not for sure if, if Matt Lauer and all these big name people are born again, I mean if you're going to ask me I would probably say no but uh, not in judging just because of the fruit but having said that there are men who are born again who can and do abuse women So what, well, pastor, they're born again. They're going to go to heaven? Yeah, they'll go to heaven. But they don't know who they are in Christ. They don't know their true identity. They're a nice, clean sheep, but they're still playing in a mud hole with the pigs. (laughs) They just don't know who they are. So that's one part of the equation. But there is another part of the equation, and that is this. They don't see people as valuable the way that God sees people. You show me a man who believes in God, who knows his identity, and who uh, sees women and men valuable the way that God sees them, and I'll show you somebody who will not abuse. Period. So, we have to see people as valuable. Now, ladies, it's a two-way street, just so you know. We're not just, you know, I'm going to slap men upside the head and say, you you nasty things, you know. No. If you want, listen to me, if you want a great marriage, if you want great relationships, if you want great friendships, if you just want to have great relationships no matter what, then it needs to be a two-way street where everybody involved sees everybody the way that God sees them, which is valuable. Valuable. And listen, we're, we're talking so valuable that the most highest, greatest thing that God could purchase for you is the blood of his, of his son, he shed that? You don't think you're valuable? You know, and then, you know, the church says, you know, I'm just a worm. I'm just a worm. You know what? You're slapping God in the face. You know, obviously, you don't know what he paid for you. Nobody goes, oh, look at this. That's how kind of he's like saying, look at this. I, this. I bought this bottle of water. I paid $5,600 for this bottle of water. People look at you and go, you're stupid. But if I said, no, this isn't just water. This has the ability to rejuvenate cells and it has stuff in it to do this because I see some value in it that you do not. So I'm willing to pay the price because I know the value of it. Do you realize that God saw something so great in you? He says, it's worth it. I'm going to send my son because man, women, humanity is worth it. Mm. Praise God. Good relationships, knowing how valuable you are. I mean, God knows, most Christians know this, God knows the numbers of the hairs on your head, which is not just that he knows that you have, you know, 24 hairs, but that number, 20, number 23 fell out. You know what the principle behind this is? Is that he wants you to know how intimate he wants to be with you. And if he knows that about your hair, he wants you to know that he's going to know that about your, your physical body, That he wants it to be healthy and he's concerned about that. He wants you to know that about your finances, that he is aware of your finances and concerned about and wants that to be taken care of. Your relationships, your children, everything about your life. He wants you to know that, man, I have such uh, an intimate relationship with you. That's what I desire. That's what God desires. So... um, let's get back to our message that where did this there's a root to where all of this I believe that came from the problem of sexual harassment and men versus women and this whole it gets ugly let's go back to Genesis chapter 3 verse 1 Genesis chapter 3 verse 1 it says now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made and he said to the woman God has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden and the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden. Now, this is before the sin. This is before the fall. The woman is called the woman. She's not Eve here. She is the woman. Now, I've looked at different uh, theologians, what they believe about this, you know. The woman in the Hebrew could mean that that's kind of her name. It wasn't like what we think men and women. She was being called that. And then there's others that says, no, she is the woman. So I'm not going to stand here and debate that, but there is one thing for sure, and that is she was not called Eve before the fall. Before the fall, she was just called the woman. And before the fall, her and Adam walked Co equally, as far as authority, as far as what God looked upon them, they were exactly equal. Adam wasn't up here and Eve wasn't down here. They walked and they both had authority and dominion over everything that was on this planet. You follow me? All right. Verse 12. Then the men said, the woman, this is after the fall. They, they ate of the fruit. This is after the fall. Then the man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Now there was some thing that I, I didn't say in the first service. Adam was the head as far as God saying, that Adam, you have a responsibility and you have a service for the woman. The way that we look at headship and the way that God looks at headship is two different things. We think the head as being one hundred percent in charge, and it doesn't matter what anybody else says, the head is the head is the head. God looks at the head and saying, You have responsibility and you have a service that you need to be committed to. Adam and Eve both were there, you know, some I read one theologian he said that Adam was afar off. No, Adam was right there with Eve. He heard what the devil was saying the same as what Eve heard. One major problem is that serpent should have never been in there. God said, "Adam, you guard, you keep it meant he was supposed to protect the garden and nothing was supposed to get inside there. And who had authority to do that? Adam. The devil didn't go, I'm big, I'm bad, and I'm ugly, and I can go where I want. He may go where he wants, but when he came into the garden, Adam should have said, you're not allowed in here. You get out. He didn't even have to say in the name of Jesus. He had all authority. He says, you get out now. That serpent would have had to Talk about tucking your tail and hiding, and flying out of there. He would have had to done that. But guess what? Adam just let him talk, let him hang around. You know, everybody says, Yeah, this woman, man, she got us in trouble. No, it, the, that's why it's called the sin of Adam and not the sin of Adam and Eve. And all the women said, Thanks for clearing that up. I'm just, you know, all the men going, no, oh, they should have stayed home today, they? they should have stayed home. <laughs> Verse 16, Genesis 3, 16, this is God saying, he said to the woman, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy and in pain you will give birth and you will desire to control your husband. And you will desire to control your husband. Men, don't say amen to that. you <laughs> you say, Yeah, I knew it was in. A- yeah, I know that. Yeah, I know that. I, I'm right now that's gonna be on my refrigerator time I get home. <laughs> you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. He will. the battle of the sexes started in the garden of eden man i'm telling you it's not been going on just for a few hundred years it's been going on for thousands of years <laughs> the battle of the sexes and at that time now listen to me that was right after the sin which meant that god was voicing the curse that scripture is part of the curse So you know, if you're a woman, If you're a woman and and you're pregnant, you go, man, I don't like that scripture. You're gonna have terrible childbirth and all of that pain and all of that. Well, I'm not gonna say that childbirth is easy, and and I'm thankful that I'm a man because of that. But anyway, uh, all of that is part of the what? The curse. What is it a part of? That was part of the curse. The woman was going to say, I'm going to try to be above you. And I'm going to try to do this to the man. And God said, no, you're going to lose. And the man's going to be up here and you're going to be down here. That's part of the curse. Genesis chapter 3, verse 20. We keep following down. So the curse has been spoken by God. Verse 20 says, then the man, Adam, named his wife Eve. When did he name his wife He named after the curse. He says his wife should be called Eve because she should be the mother of all who live. Now, again, Adam and Eve were there as co-equals before the fall. Adam was naming all of the animals and everything because he was having dominion and authority over everything that he named. After the curse has been pronounced, Adam looks at the woman and says, You be called Eve from now on. Did you catch that? Mm. Adam, you nasty little man, you. And all the women could go, Oh, Jesus, I wish I was. A Man, I mean, I I got the curse hanging over me. Galatians 3.13. Galatians 3.13 says that not only men but women and everybody have been redeemed from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree. Christ has redeemed all women from... The garden, the curse that was spoken, he redeemed all women from that. And all the women said. Amen. "Amen." But listen to me. Listen to me. This is the thing about redemption. In the area of healing, if you don't know about it, you're just going to have a hard time walking in it if you don't know about something. You following me? You know, you've heard me say this. I've said this so many times, but it's a good illustration. You know, I, at one time, uh, I, 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 used, I had an ATM card. I don't have an ATM card. I hate ATMs, just so you know. You, might, you may think you know a couple things about me, but I hate ATMs. <laughs> I just don't like it. But one time, I was in downtown Pueblo, and I, uh, I thought, oh, man. We were going someplace downtown, and I, I, thought, I looked at my wallet. I go, oh, I don't have any money. So I go, I got to go to the stupid ATM. So I did, and I went, and I got right as I was getting the money out. I had a clue. I go, ah, I had a $100 bill hidden in a secret compartment in my wallet. I looked in there, and I go, yep, it's still in there. But I didn't know about it. But I had it. Now, come on now. I had it, but I was not able to use it at my disposal, even though it was on my person the whole time. That's what redemption has done to people, and my people perish because they lack in knowledge. If you don't know, you've been redeemed from sickness and disease. If you don't know, you've been redeemed from poverty and lack. If you don't know, you've been redeemed from depression and lack of joy and lack of patience. If you don't know, you've been redeemed from uh, trying to usurp authority and try to be better than a man. If you don't know that, you will try to do your best to try to work for that to make it happen. Oh, we got a lot of women trying to work to make that happen. We got a lot of people trying to work to get healing. We got a lot of people trying to work. And God says, by the grace of God, I've already paid the price for you to be free and that you are equal in my sight. You are healed in my sight. You are prosperous in my sight. You are blessed in my sight. Woo. But if you don't know that, you're just a $100 bill tucked in a hidden way spot and I don't know where you're at. Genesis, I believe God is so merciful that even in the old covenant, under the curse, he was still bringing people up, bringing women up. It's, the, it's just the mercy of God. God doesn't say, okay, you made your bed and I lie in it. No, he's going to say, you made your bed. Now I'm going to get on the other side and I'm going to help you make this bed. This is what he did. You know, here's the flood, the world's destroyed. By a flood, and God says, okay, we're going to have a new start with Noah. Noah. Genesis chapter 8. This is just five chapters after that whole curse thing. Five chapters later, then God spoke to Noah, saying, Go out of the ark, you and your wife, and your sons and your sons' wives with you. Now, you can read over this really quick and think this is really means nothing. But God... Picture this now. He told Noah, I want you to come out of that ark, and we're getting a new fresh start. And this is the fresh start. I want you and your equal partner, your wife, to walk out hand in hand, walk out of that ark, you two together. I want your sons to walk out with their wives, hand in hand, walk out together. Do you see that? Okay, so this is what God said, verse 17. Bring out with you every living thing of all flesh that is with you. Birds, cattle, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. All the creeps. Everybody gets brought out. So that they may abound on the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. Verse 18. So Noah went out and his sons. You see something different there. And his wife and his wife's sons. And his wife's. And his son's wives. I'll get it right. With him. And so the picture is. Noah and his boys walk out of the ark and, and the women go, yeah, y'all yeah, get. It. we'll see you yeah. out there. When You come out when you're getting ready or whatever, you know, we're, we're, here we go. Now, that could just be something's written, but I think God was reaching out and saying, this is the way I see things. I see you and your wife coming out together as one. Mm. It didn't happen that way and I still believe that it's not happening today I believe that religion has taught us that women do not and should not have the capability to be in any leadership role in the church and I know there's a passage we're not going to have time to get into it in Timothy and in Peter that it looks like it addresses the women issue again but there again you have to make sure that you're taking things in context in context it just goes to, against my natural common sense. To think that the kingdom of God is within me. Is the kingdom of God less in my wife? I mean, did I get, you know, like 97% and she got 3%? And so therefore, we're one. Because I got more and she got, you know. I, I No. Does it make sense to you that the same kingdom, the same substance, the same Jesus that's in me is the same that's in her, yet God's going to say, I'm not going to give you the ability to do certain things. I'm going to hinder you from doing, especially, you know, like giving the gospel out. I don't want you doing that. You can work with babies and, and nursery and, you know, but you, you don't have the ability to work with adults. Does that sound like Jesus to you? No. Then why has the church not only embraced it, but it becomes part of the doctrine? I believe it's a tool of the devil to say, hey, if I can take out 50% of, the, of them from working for the kingdom, man... 50% is pretty huge. I think it's been a tool of the devil since day one. And unfortunately, the church goes along with it. Yeah, you women keep sight submit. I got one word for you, woman, submit. I get back there. There's a joke I heard one time. I don't even know if it has anything to do with this, but it just came to my mind, so here we go. Uh, a woman was driving through the, the Navajo reservation, and there was a, a, a Navajo woman walking on the side of the road, and she... Wanted a, she goes, you need a ride? She goes, yeah, give me a ride. So she got in the car. And she had uh, a bottle that was wrapped in a brown paper bag. You know what I mean. And it was sitting there, and, and the little Navajo la- lady just kept staring at it, you know, as they were driving along. And, and so the woman that was driving kept noticing her, and, and she said, oh, that's for my husband. And the Navajo looked at her, and she looked up and said, that's a good trade. <laughs> Get it? She got that for her husband, and that whole woman obviously knew something about men and women. He said, "That's a good trade." You can laugh. Come on now. But I do believe that there's always been a problem that the devil has tried to really. Push down the authority that's been in women since the cross and the resurrection. I believe that the devil has tried to continually implement the curse on the women race. And in case you think this is my opinion, after we read Galatians three thirteen, you can drop down to verse twenty six, Galatians three twenty six. For you all are sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. How are we the children of God? Through faith. Like I said, even though this is the way God sees women, this is the way God sees you healed, this is the way that God sees you prosperous, the thing that matters is how do you see it? This is how God sees it, but how do you see it? If you're seeing it wrong, it's because you're not seeing it through the eyes of faith. You don't believe it. If you don't believe that you are co-equal with men, then it won't happen to you. And the devil will continually make sure that you get treated as such. If you don't think that Jesus has paid for, for your healing... 2,000 years ago then you will do your best to try to make sure that that gets manifested in your life by working or trying to be holy or trying to do stuff or read my Bible more just trying to get faith more you'll try to make it happen and then that goes against what we've been teaching on Wednesday nights resting in God women can rest in God knowing that they're co-equal with men because and not trying to prove it because they can rest in what Jesus has done for them You can rest in healing. You can rest in prosperity. You can rest in that you're a woman. You can rest because Jesus paid the price, redeemed you for the curse. All right, so verse 27. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. So he's saying that everybody, men and women, they were immersed. That's symbolic of what happens in baptism. You are immersed into the water. You are immersed into Jesus. You go down dry dead and just dried to the bone but when you go down there you're covered with water and you come up out of the water there's water all over you you are in Christ all right verse 28 there is neither Jew nor Greek there is neither slave nor free there is neither male nor female man that's just a bomb isn't it this is God speaking. He said, Hey, there's not a slave. There's not somebody's free. There's not a male. There's not female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. This is the answer to. People being saying, oh, man, this sexual harassment. Man, I'm telling you, it's just terrible because the women are the weaker. I'm telling you, God sees everybody, not a male or female. And let me just say this. The principle behind that is he doesn't see black or white. He doesn't see brown or, or red or uh, yellow or any other color of skin you can make yourself. God doesn't see it. Amen. This is the answer to racism. This is the answer to feminism, to, to male chauvinist pigs. This is the answer that God says you're all one in my sight. Start seeing people the way that I see them. Amen. Amen. You can't get well, you should just act better. You should just try better. You should, I know you got this, you got a, you know, you got this woman thing going on here. You just need to, and you think women are your property. You just need, there's a reason why they think that. And just saying, stop it, 99.9% of the time doesn't work. No, you better say why you need to stop it. That's not you. If you're born again, that's not who you are. And if you don't see that, then you don't see people as being valuable. If I see my wife as so precious and valuable... I'm always going to treat her better. Amen. I want her to be treated better than even myself if I see her so valuable and precious. Yeah. Yeah. The reason people abuse other people is because they don't see them valuable. Yeah. That's, right. That's why we had all of that uh, the slavery going on. white people didn't see black people as valuable. But all of a sudden, somebody got a clue. It was a God clue. It was a God thing. Whether it's, you see, the devil wants division. And the way that he tries it with humanity a lot of time is you're better than them. Men are better than women. White are better than black. Black would be, okay, God's going to work, I mean, the devil's going to work something. in the black race, the Hispanic race, you, you just name it the devil, you know. And the reason I know that is I was in Africa where everybody was black. And there is still racism going on. You're not part of our tribe. We're going to kill you. You're not as good as us. You are not as good as us. So you see, this is a devil thing. It's a devil thing between the men and women. It's a devil thing between racism, races. It's a devil thing. And so, as soon as the church understands that we are all one in Christ, that we all are so valuable and precious in His sight, man, I tell you what, you don't even have to work about trying to like this person or that person. I, I gotta love my wife. I know it's hard, but I tell you what. Oh no, honey, you, you're the problem. You got poor eyesight. I said you got poor eyesight. You show me somebody who's having a problem with racism. You show me somebody who's having a problem with male chauvinism. I'm going to show you somebody who doesn't have good eyesight. You <laughs> but we all have 2020 vision because of the greater one being in us. You do. You have the ability to see everybody the way that God sees you. You remember the story of... I'll close with a story. You remember the story of Jesse? Uh, Samuel the prophet went to Jesse's house to anoint the next king. And here is Samuel. He's got all of these Jesse's sons lined up in front of him. And man, there must have been some good looking specimens of, you know, kind of built like Tony, you know. Oh, let me clarify that Tony and me. <laughs> I'm so funny. Anyway, <laughs> it's kind of like Tony's built up, And Samuel, the prophet, goes, this is the king. This is the next king, man. I mean, woo, chicken. Man, look at that. Whoa. And God says, nope, that's not him. What? So he goes to the next one. He may not have been as big and strong as Tony, but, you know, he's still good looking. God says, no, 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 to the last one, no. And Samuel goes, What? God, you called me here to anoint the next king. So Samuel goes, you got any more sons? Well, I got this runt out in the field. (laughs) We didn't even call him in. So David was a small stature. Rudy, you look up that terminology, man, and he wasn't a Tony. He's more built like me. But anyway, uh, so he brings in David. And I'm sure Samuel thought, you have got to be kidding me. <laughs> was he adopted or what? Because he didn't have the same gene, man. He was a... and, uh, and God said, this is him. This is him. And the Lord says this to Samuel. And he's still saying this to the church today. Man looks on the outward. But I look on the inward. You know what the principle is there? If you're looking on the outward, you're going to be wrong every single time. I said, you will be wrong. Oh, look at that girl. Oh, that, that woman. Oh, she's not. Oh, she's. If you're looking for, to get a wife, if you're just looking on the outward, you're going to be in trouble. It's like one man said, you may get what you want, but you may not want what you got. Just because everything looks like a... There was a popular song in the 70s, She's a Brick House. (laughs) She's a brick house. You don't have to be... (laughs) It's okay. Everybody goes, Oh, my pastor... We all know what kind of woman she is. I mean, you know what? That song wasn't like, what does he mean? I mean, you know. But you may get that and you think, oh my goodness. You may get bricks thrown at your face every day after that. But God said that's not what's important. What's important is the heart on the inside. He said, that's who I'm after. That's what it's all about. If we as a body of believers are going to love one another, if we're going to walk in unity, if we're going to have great marriages, if we're going to have great relationships, then we cannot and should not be looking on the outside. Can I get a better amen? Amen. God says, I've called you all as one. There's not male and female. I'm not seeing you like this. I'm not seeing you like that. You're one in my sight. So you start seeing that. Woo, that'll set you free. Set you free. Now, I'll close with this last thought, because this is a tougher one to swallow. Now, having said that, you know, when all this comes out, you know, there is great, uh, man, you feel sorry for these women that got abused, and rightfully so. You pray for those women. But I tell you what, the Lord showed me this, and I just felt like the Lord says, you need to pray for Matt Lauer. You know, your first response is, I'll pray for him. I pray that he will go to hell. Do not pass, go. And just, you know, you just, yeah, I'll pray for him, Lord. I got that uncovered. No, I said no. How many know that the blood of Jesus was shed for him as much as it's shed for anybody else? So you got to be, as a church, we cannot be judgmental to the degree that, you know, like, okay, well, I'll tell you what judge, jury, and hell sender, you know. I'm judge, jury, and we are going to send him straight to hell. I mean, no. You know why? You know why we should be forgiving? Because you have been forgiven. Your sin, no matter if it wasn't big and bad and ugly like the world would say, your sin would send you to hell the same as any other sin. So why is it easy for me to forgive somebody like him? Because I've been forgiven. So you need to pray for people like that. If he's not saved, you need to believe God for people to be... Cross, because right now, I read in an article what he said. that He says, I feel embarrassment and in shame and guilt. What's the good news? The blood of Jesus was shed to take care of all of that. He could get saved, born again, blood washed, right now, today. And God would see him perfect in his sight. The world would still see him as a terrible, despicable man that doesn't deserve anything. God sees different. What is the point? The point is this. You know, Jesus said this to him. He says, "Whoever's without sin, cast the first stone. Go ahead and throw the rock. If you don't have any sin in your life, go ahead and cast it. It's easy on the outside to judge how, because, you know, our sin, what we're doing wrong is not as bad. Mm. God says, well, if you don't have anything wrong in your life, go ahead pick up that rock and let it rip, buddy. Let it fly. And everybody has to drop the rocks because they know. My point is this. Don't be rock throwing today. Don't be rock throwing. You know, it's easy to throw rocks because of something very hideous. It's hurtful. You have the ability to love to the most unlovely. You have the ability to do that. Let's stand.